Welcome back to another edition of Corn Nation Radio. I am your host, Patrick Gerhardt. And with me today, once again, is Stephen Godfrey of Secret Base and the Split Zone Duo. Stephen, how are you today and have you recovered from this past season? I'm good. Yeah, I feel like I've, enough time has passed now where, you know, things feel normal again. <laughs> things are things aren't as, as hectic as this first really good football season from at post-COVID. Um, yeah, so I imagine and, it was pretty know, nuts the, for you, for, especially for you as, as a, a media. So, yeah, the, the signing day is sort of already basically happening. If, you know, it doesn't give us much weight or impact to February the way, you know, it, it's all different now. So things feel, feel calmer until spring ball starts and I go out and talk to coaches, but yeah, I'm enjoying the time off. Good, good. What, what were your general thoughts for this 2021 football season as a whole? Um, you know, it's funny when you when you pan out and talk about it as sort of a single entity, I think it was a return to normalcy in so many ways based on 2020. And, you know, I think we were a quarter of the way through it and people sort of forgot all this stuff that we had to put up with in 2020 and the uncertainty, constant rescheduling. And, you know, for the most part, that didn't happen. I think there was a handful of games that got rescheduled and maybe at one Pac-12 game, I think it was USC Cal that was being played on conference championship weekend. But compared to what we had to deal with in the previous season i mean it was it, it was almost uh, it was kind of like 2020 didn't exist and it was a bridge over from the 2019 season in, in certain ways and um i know everyone is sort of wrapped up in realignment and nil and all these other things but i i do sometimes when i get a chance remind people that we lost a lot in in the covid year and we i think for the most part got it all back no, I would agree. I, I think it it was as close to re, of a return to normalcy as we will probably get anytime soon. And honestly, there was a lot of fun games this past season, uh, not just in the group of five, but also or the power five, but also in the group of five. Is there anything, you know, really that stood out about 2021 that you thought was really great or that really kind of you saw as kind of something that we'll see more of moving forward in terms of how the, mm. the sport has been played? Because and I bring that up. Because a lot is changing right now, <laughs> a lot. I think that um, at least amongst four of the Power Five conferences, the Pac-12 is kind of a unique situation right now because I just feel like there's a lot of uncertainty and flux and transition, and even more so now with Cristobal leaving Oregon and um, Lincoln Riley coming in. But in the other four conferences, I think what you saw was – and and. SEC people would probably freak out when I say this, but there's an evenness in terms of style and talent. Obviously the SEC still has such a dominance in terms of recruiting and it was an SEC, all SEC final. I get all that, but watching teams like Michigan state, um, it really, it kind of stood out to me how we're nationalizing a lot of the provincial ideas in this sport. And we're, we're losing a lot of regionalism, but at the same time, I think you're seeing, really, really effective recruiting and development and portal usage in places outside of just like Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. And I think that 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 could bode well for more schools at the top end of the sport. Now, as I mentioned in my previous question, a lot's changing right now. And I kind of feel like we're in a space in college football where the haves and have nots are almost going to be, there's going to be more of a division with between the two um you see uh like a school like virginia tech um you know getting rid of their coaching staff but paying a 
top dollar for a lot of assistance and support staff that they haven't historically have. And mm-hmm. another school like Miami, which is kind of a big one, because historically they have their school administration and their athletic department administration have historically been on two different pages, but it seems like they're almost in lockstep right now for the first time ever. Is, is there, you know, is, are we at a point where college football is going to be changing even faster than it has historically? Um, you see where I'm going with my question? Yeah, I think you could, it's a big question. Easy to perceive it that way. I think we're seeing now are maybe the fruits of a lot of labor in the last five to 10 years in terms of, um, you know, everything in NIL that, you know, that didn't happen overnight, everything in the portal that didn't happen overnight. And then everything in terms of facilities building that's been going on. I think what we're, what, what you might be seeing now that's sort of like a trick of the eye is that more, more programs are doing it. And because of that, I think you're seeing transfer it's almost like a bunch of people are just saying, Hey, are you in or are you out? Are you going to be a mega power? Are you going to do these things like hire, you know, a bunch of analysts? Are you going to have opulent facilities? And if you're not, well, then you're just not going to be in this tier. And I think that's what you're seeing is maybe a separation of 50 or 50 or so, probably less than 50. I just kind of pulled that number out of thin air programs where, you know, we got holograms in the waterfalls and we got, we got, you know, a defensive backs coach, but we also have six analysts on staff that are just looking at the secondary and, and they're all former coaches. And, and, and so that sort of Alabamaification, it's not possible across the entire sport, but I do think you're seeing a separation inside of the FBS, inside of the Power Five, too. Yeah, and I would most definitely say in the Power Five, Group of Five, it's a little bit harder to see because it's harder to follow, at least on a national scale. Um, you mentioned the Pac-12 earlier. They've been behind on a lot of those things you just mentioned over the past decade or so, honestly. Do you see much movement within that conference to catch up outside of a school like Oregon or USC? Hmm. Inside the Pac-12 specifically? Yeah. You know, I'm looking at that league more as a I'm not trying to slight Oregon. There's a USC problem and then there's a Pac-12 problem. The USC problem, I feel like, has been addressed because they've changed over the athletic director. They've changed the decision-making process in the, in the football and in the athletics in general. They've had the scandal. Okay, and now they've gone and hired a really good coach. Um, okay. But there's also a Pac-12 problem. There's a massive Pac-12 problem, and that's the network stuff. That's the low visibility, the geography issue, there's less talent in California, all this kind of stuff. Um, That has yet to be solved. And so it's great that I think now, okay, maybe USC will come on in the next five years and sort of bring a little bit more balance to the top end of the sport. I think that conference still has the most issues to to fix or to solve. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. And going back to conferences with issues to solve, uh, this is a Nebraska podcast, as everybody knows listening. Um, Let's go over to the Big Ten. Recently, it was announced that the Big Ten powers at B are looking at getting rid of divisions. What are your thoughts on it and kind of what do you see happening with that? I think, you know, let's talk for um, let's talk from a Nebraska perspective for a second. Um, I don't see how this hurts. I really don't. I, I think that, 
you know, Nebraska comes in, obviously they don't have a 30 or 40 or 50 year history with a lot of these schools. I think that, you know, everyone's probably approaching this from the East side concern of like, gosh, it's just, it's murderers row over here. Then you have a very different style that is successful in the West. You have outlier seasons from maybe a Purdue or whatever. Um, but by and large, you're, you're like the Wisconsin, Iowa machine, or you don't win on that side of the ball. I, I think it's good for <laughs> these big 10 programs to diversify, play each other. It's, I, it's gonna sort of, I don't see how you can't pod is like a dirty word. When you talk I love about the, I, I love the pod system. I'm big on the pods. <laughs> it, it, it galvanizes. It definitely galvanizes people. But if I'm Indiana, I know I want to play Purdue because uh, that's it. And then like, but that's it. After that, if I'm Indiana and I get Maryland and Penn State, but then I also you know go over and play in Wisconsin, Minnesota, whatever. It's a season. It's a big, a Big Ten season. If I'm Michigan State, well, I got to play Michigan, but does Michigan have that same mandate because they have Ohio State? I guess what I'm getting at is, are we going to lock in and say, hey, you have two teams every year you have to play? Because there are people at Michigan State who are going to say, hey, we have to play Michigan every year, but Michigan's going to say, well, we have to play Ohio State every year. Where does that leave Penn State? So this is, it's fun to say we're getting rid of divisions, but I want to see what you look like year in and year out. And you you are the much more familiar with Nebraska than I am, but on a national level, we don't see Nebraska as having that hard and fast and mandatory rivalry. I know there are rivalries in the Big Ten. I'm not saying there aren't from Nebraska, but because of their relative newness into the Big Ten culture, I just think this is a better. I think this, is a, this just benefits Nebraska because then you get automatically more games with bigger opponents in, in terms of prestige, not talent so much. No, so you're going to play Michigan right. theoretically. Now we don't yeah. know how they're going to chop this up. This means more Nebraska, Michigan, and more Nebraska, Penn State, and more Nebraska, Ohio State, and less like Nebraska Northwestern. Honestly, gotcha. You still there? Yeah, I'm here. Are you there? Okay, good. Yeah, no, I, I slight cut out. So, um, no, I and no, I, I think you're right. I think you're you're going down. You're looking at it from a good perspective, especially from a Nebraska standpoint, because we don't have a history with a whole lot of teams. Um, mm-hmm. We have a border and somewhat cultural significance with Iowa, but that's about it. Um, <clears throat> SEC recently brought on Oklahoma and Texas. Do you think Mich- uh, the Big Ten should bring on two more teams to help this possible pod system or you know, abolishing of, of the divisions? And if you do, who do you kind of think they should go for? Ooh, wow. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I haven't really thought about the Big Ten in terms of expansion. Of course, don't you like legally have to say Notre Dame here? Yeah, I, if if you're an old school Big Tenner, you do. Um, I'm not an old school Big Tenner, and I understand that's never going to happen. So, sure. <laughs> um, ooh, man, you kind of put me on the hot seat there. Um, Sorry about that. <laughs> I think, you know, obviously you have whatever the Big 12 is or, or is going to be. The easiest thing to say is like, well, if you had to expand by two, I think you would take because of maybe the academic stuff, you could probably wedge in uh, Kansas and, and then you make a run at Notre Dame, they'll probably say no. So then maybe you could go, I'm stalling for time. I think Cincinnati would fit. I know Ohio State would never do it. Um, if Ohio State would relent, I think Cincinnati would fit perfectly. 
Um, but I think you probably have to look at another big 12 school. So no, yeah. that makes sense. I mean, a possibility of maybe an Iowa state, if Iowa allowed it. Yeah. And, and I see, I feel like you're, you're going to run into the same issue. I don't, I, I, I would be shocked if anyone from Iowa is going to let that happen. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. And then honestly, Kansas, I think would jump at it the way Missouri wanted to join the big 10 and ended up in the sec outside of that. I think a lot of the big 12 schools right now feel like they're in a decent place moving forward. Um, you know, my comments could be instantly dated the next piece of news that breaks, but they feel confident, especially from a basketball sense of what they're going to be adding, uh, adding Houston and Cincinnati, et cetera, et cetera. BYU. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Big 12 is definitely looking down towards a basketball conference moving forward. Um, moving on to a last subject, you know, Nebraska had another really, really rough year. Uh, you came on at the beginning of this season, kind of gave us a mm-hmm. quick few quick thoughts on what you thought of the Husker program as a whole just give us a rundown what you thought of Nebraska this past year. If you even watched Nebraska and what you kind of think of 22, you know, at some point I definitely watch, I think every team I, 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 I'm sure. I'm sure I see at least, at least one game of every team as I go through the season. Certainly um, YouTube, YouTube cutups are, are your best friend. If you work in, the, in college football media, cause you're really, I've said this before in Splits on Duo a lot of times. We 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 have a this segment called Tasting Menu. And I always tell people like pick one, maybe two games per time slot. I'm I'm not a six TV guy anymore or a five TV. Like I, I you know, when I was younger and a bachelor, we have the TVs next to each other and you're constantly going to the games. Like if you're really trying to focus in on on the kind of work I do you kind of have to watch a game, not, not completely to fruition, but like you kind of have to stay locked in on it for storyline purposes. Then I think you go back and the new YouTube, like I, I, sometimes ESPN does it. Sometimes I think just fans are doing it. They're cutting up three hour games for about 40 minutes. Those things are, are a gold mine. Um, I did. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Everybody watched Nebraska once because they played Illinois in August. Um, <laughs> True. Probably not. Probably not the game that Nebraska fans are going to talk about. Um, I watched them against Michigan. I watched them against Oklahoma and I watched them um, briefly against, I think it was Iowa. Um, Oh no. And we all flipped over another great example. You kind of have those like, Hey, everyone run to this moment. Uh, uh, The Michigan state game. So, you know, I I didn't mention any of the three wins, um, but (laughs) um, they're the best three win team in the country by far. That's for sure. Um, and I'm not saying that I'm not saying that tongue in cheek. I'm not trying to be a dick or anything like that, but I'm looking at a, I mean, I'm looking at, I pulled this up before we started the interview, close loss to Michigan, close loss, one possession to Minnesota team. They should they probably should have beaten in terms of raw talent. Uh, one possession loss, Wisconsin, one possession loss, Iowa. So what that tells you is my old colleague, Bill Connolly will tell you is, Mathematically, we know those results turn given a set of circumstances going into the next year. So um, I still think that if we want to pull way out and talk about the macro state of affairs with Nebraska, if it is the year 2025 and I am Trev Alberts, I have uh, backed up a lot of money to both get rid of Scott Frost and also hire Matt Campbell. I think Matt Campbell, if if Nebraska will get out of his way, will produce 
a product as he's, he's the only one I think who can produce a product closest to what Nebraska is sort of remembering about Nebraska. Um, I don't, I, I'm not trying to say that to write off Scott Frost, but how do you not enter 2022 on an incredibly short leash, like incredibly short leash because what we've seen now is a pretty strong pattern, both at the P5 and G5 levels of, you know, some of this was financially affected because 2020 was doing weird things to revenue. But a lot of, so I, I have been told some firings that would have happened in 20, they happened early in 21, but athletic administrators love getting out in front of a search. They love, like, they know, Hey, this isn't working out. We're one and three, we're, we're two and five, whatever. Let's just do it now. Have the interim coach out the season and then be the first in line to get the Lincoln Riley at USC, establish that contact early. So um, I'm not necessarily, I, I, I really am not trying to doom Nebraska, but it's also hard to talk about the entirety of the Frost era as anything other than a disappointment, if not an outright failure. So you've got another game in August. You've got another situation in August where you could lose to an inferior program by Nebraska standards. What happens if that? What happens if that happens? I don't. He gets see left a on the he, he, he gets left on the tarmac in Dublin. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't <laughs> see a situation out of it because they have Oklahoma again. You don't you don't have enough momentum to survive before you get to conference play. That's that's the truth. In any other year, I would say Georgia Southern is a massive trap game because Georgia Southern used to be a very very aggressive, fearless triple team. We don't really know what they're going to be under Clay Helton, but. Um, it's not an easy early schedule, you know. It's very interesting to me that Nebraska is the school that uh, I opening in conference play in general for any program to me is is dubious at best. That has affected Penn State. It has affected mm-hmm. Wisconsin. I don't quite get it. I know the Big Ten likes to brag that they they don't do. I mean, I know eight games is something they're discussing right now, but the whole like nine games and we don't have the SOC on Saturday, the SEC does. And I get it. And that is admirable. And I like that. But conference play to open your schedule is just, to me, there's so many more negatives than there are positives. So you take that North Dakota game and and play it on Labor Day weekend. It's going to save you a lot, in my opinion. And I'm talking about programs that don't have the larger crises, existential identity issues that Nebraska does right now. So yeah, if I'm calling a spade a spade, then Nebraska looks like a program that's going to open the year disappointing early, and then that's before they go through the actual slate. Yeah, whether we like it or not, we're kind of in the middle of a David Lynch film as a fan base. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, in a it, lot of ways. <laughs> I mean, the good, but the good news is there's like they they could be. They they there's no reason they can't do a USC move. There there really isn't. There's no reason they can't get out in front of the entire cycle. Um, and again, like I'm screaming right now. I, I know as we record this, there's a, there's a some percentage chance. I don't want to put a number on it that Michigan opens now because of the NFL, but if you have Matt Campbell available, like it, to me, it's a no brainer. It's a no brainer that he goes to Nebraska. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, Stephen, we are running out of time. Um, why don't you give the folks a rundown of how they can find you? Yeah, so I make videos over – so I'm still with Vox Media. I make videos over at Secret Base. Um, 
beef histories and uh, rewinder and all that cool stuff. I get to work with a really cool team over there. And then uh, you can also listen, me, listen to me talk a lot of college football at split zone duo at split zone duo.com. You can get all the information there. Uh, we have a Patreon where you get access to two more bonus shows a week. And um, if you are a college football degenerate, uh, and you want to talk about every minuscule part of the P5, the G5, you name it. Like we are your home for sure. <laughs> now, I, w- I will concur on that. I am a Patreon subscriber to the split zone and uh, everything you guys put out is awesome. So once again, well, thank Steven, you. Thank, thank you. <laughs>